This is Chris. Welcome to episode 340 of X-Lapsed, where we are stood on the precipice at the end of an era, I, I think. I, I really don't know if uh, Zlato, Zlato is a uh, is technically a part of Reign of X, Destiny of X, or maybe neither of X. Maybe it's uh, just the, the bridging component between the two eras here. But uh, whatever the case, we're wrapping up. Zlato, Zlato, today with X-Deaths of Wolverine number 5. Now, full disclosure, I actually wrote this script about a month ago. I wrote this script right after I recorded um, X-Lives of Wolverine number 5, so episode uh, 338, I believe. Uh, I jumped right over the Devil's Reign issue. I didn't think it was going to interfere or spoil anything, or I would be spoiled for anything in that if I skipped it. So I, I just went ahead and I wrote uh, the X-Deaths of Wolverine script uh, was part of a plan I had that, well, really didn't go anywhere. I figured uh, at that point in time I knew that I was going to be taking a step back from uh, the recording aspect of this gig here. I knew I wasn't going to be getting behind the mic for a little while, so I figured I may as well get ahead on my scripting, you know, get the books read, get my thoughts on paper, and then whenever I decided or got, you know, the itch or the wild hair to record again, well, it would be one less obstacle, you know, in my way. I wouldn't have to actually read something, write about it. It would already be there, and uh, I really had the best of intentions. I thought I was going to be doing this, uh, at least the scripting part, every single day, or uh, several times a week at least, to get me a little bit ahead of the curve here, but that actually was not meant to be, I guess. I only got this one script written, and, well, that was it. <laughs> I, uh, I still have yet to read anything... Officially Destiny of X You know, like uh, the new trade dress The the new ugly trade dress That uh, signifies that it's a Destiny of X book I haven't read any of those yet I've heard a lot about them uh, Nothing terribly spoilery Just a, a few bits and bobs But uh, nothing that'll ruin my experience So I guess just uh, keep that in mind As you listen to this episode here If I come across with any wild hot takes That have already been disproven or confirmed uh, I am... Very much re-X-lapsed at this point. I don't know anything that's to come, so um, like I said, just uh, just keep that in mind. Now, another reason why I wanted to make sure this script was done early, uh, not just to get me ahead of the game, but because I thought, uh, I mentioned that this is the end of an era, right? Uh, this is a pretty decent stopping point. If we were ever going to stop, uh, this might be a good time to do so, because Everything that comes after this is... It's another chapter. It's a whole new start, a whole new beginning for the uh, for the X line. And so I thought to myself that if this is, you know, the end of an era in the books, it might also be 
a pretty decent stopping point or an advantageous stopping point for this program uh, just uh, as a way to I don't know, you know, close the door on, you know, the entire endeavor here. Uh, I didn't want to leave us all hanging with, uh, you know, just X lives Wolverine number five here and not cover X deaths. I actually considered skipping the Devil's Reign story altogether, the uh, the part three of that, uh, you know, tie-in, because I didn't think it was going to matter, and I really had zero interest in uh, pursuing it. I actually just saw that as an obstacle to, uh, to get to the, you know, end of the race here and, and finish this story and just... Tie a bow on this whole project But honestly, I was just too lazy to change the numbering on the cover art for the episode So it's like, eh, we'll just stick with what we've got here And when they come out, they come out And if they don't come out, uh, eh, they don't come out But here we are, we're putting it out here <laughs> We're wrapping up this era Where we go from here, I honestly don't know uh, I've got all the uh, cover art ready for the next dozen or so episodes Uh I don't know, we'll just uh, play it uh, one day at a time Uh, You know, it's interesting, I've become a lot more quiet online of late uh, In social media circles And uh, somehow I'm getting more followers and more, uh, you know, members to the group than ever So maybe I've been the problem all along The longer I keep my mouth shut, the better, I guess I don't know, let's get into today's book here This is, of course, The Ex-Deaths of Wolverine Number 5 It had a May 2022 cover date Story is called Dead End, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Federico Vicentini. Colors Dijo Lima, or Dijo Lima. Letters VCs Corey Petit, designs Tom Muller. Edits Baumgartner, Basso, White, Sabolsky, cover price $5. This one went on sale March 23rd of 2022, and that's a, that's a long time ago. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but uh, yeah, what is time nowadays, right? Speaking of time, we open... At the Centennial Fair from Chrono Trigger and There we relive that scene at the bench from House of X number 2 Fixed in a little different way Now Mora greets Charles with a big ol' F you F him, F his dream, she hates his guts She says he's a coward and a traitor And she wishes that they'd never met Oh, uh, by the way, Mora is dying <laughs> And this is just her lives flashing before her eyes Last time out we saw her like in that weird... I don't know, bio-armor that she, like, just, like, manifested in out of nowhere and then got run through, you know, it was very, very odd. Anyway, from here, we see bits and bobs from all of her lives. We see her dying of old age during Life 1, her plane crashing down on the way to meet Charles Xavier in Life 2, Pyro burninating her after she created the mutant cure in Life 3, Sentinels frying her in Life 4. Mora dying at Far Away during Life 5, and Far Away, of course, was like a proto-Krakoa in a way. A safe haven for mutants in like a, in the midst of like a mountain range somewhere, I don't remember. Anyway, it was a safe haven until the Sentinels found them. And you know what? It's just now dawning on me here that where the hell have the Sentinels been all these years? I mean, we've only ever seen them in these like flashbacks and flash forwards, and they're always like the, like the harbinger of the end, and we just... Don't ever see them in, you know, the current year continuity. Very, very strange. Anyway, that was Life 5. On to Life 6, where we see Logan running her through with his claws at the preserve. Uh, Then Mora is killed by yet another sentinel in Life 7. This is like a weird ramshackle-looking one. Uh, Mora is killed in a prison break during Life 8. And if you remember, she teamed with Magneto, and I want to say they very briefly took over the world until the heroes got their stuff together and took them down. Life 9 is another voluntary death by Wolverine special. Um, This is the one from 
x squared or x to the second power. It's the one from a hundred years in the future where the chimeras who uh, those the, you remember those characters who appeared to be very very important for like eight entire seconds. I don't know. From here, double-page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters include Mora X, Omega Wolverine, Logan, Wolverine X23, Scout, Dakin, Dakin, Sage, and Beast. Back to comics, where the Wolverines, which I guess is what they're calling themselves, are fighting Omega Wolverine. That's not confusing at all. Anyway, while they fight, they are in constant contact with Sage at the point, and they inform her of everything that's going on. Now, she knows that the Omega is trying to make his way to the Cerebro Cradle, and if he's successful, well, it's pretty much game over. Something about spreading the Phalanx Contagion into the Cerebro servers or something, it's all very nebulous and convenient. Now, Cerebro, of course, is an access point for the entirety of the Krakoan Biotech Network. Uh, At least that's how Beast spins it. Sage realizes that they're going to need a Hail Mary here, and she spies the recently returned Cerebro Sword as perhaps their ticket out of this mess. Now, I'm not really sure how a broken helmet that's been molded into a sword might help in this situation, but far be it from me to spit in the face of plot convenience. Now, Sage radios back to the Wolverines, reiterating how important it is for the Omega not to make it to the Cradle. She says the baddie will be everywhere and every when should he succeed. Omega pretty much thrashes all the baby howlets, and we even get like a I hate you dad sort of exchange between Omega and Dakin Dakin. Then, the real deal arrives. Then, after quoting John Cena's theme music, Logan leaps into the fracas. And oh, um, he also shows off uh, Chekhov's pocket watch slash compass gimmick, which if this were a Pokemon game, would be referred to as ineffective. Omega Wolverine does not give an F. Now, back to the point here, or back at the point, I should say, Sage dramatically lets her hair down and rushes off with that Cerebro sword. Info page. Uh, Now, this is the memory drive from the Omega Wolverine's cocoon pod thingy. We saw him emerge from whenever the hell that was. Now, it tells of how four of our heroes died during his timeline. And they include Marvel Girl, who was poisoned by Gorgeous George. The Nasty Boy? Oh, come on. Uh, Nightcrawler, he survives the crawl of... The, the crawl? No, the fall of Krakoa, and apparently lives on into old age, but still gets offed by a sentinel anyway. Magneto is killed by a nanite infection in his lungs, and Professor X gets locked into the Cerebro network and is eventually mercy-killed by Mora. Now, his body was later kept on a pike until it rotted, which I, I guess that's nice. Back to comics and back to the brouhaha. Now, Sage has arrived, and she goes to swipe with the Cerebro Sword and either misses or just doesn't have you know great upper body strength because it don't do nothing. Logan then grabs it, and after a page and a half of struggle, he manages to plunge it through his dark doppelganger, or, you know, his phalanxified future self. There's an explosion, because why not, I guess. Um, now, I'm really unsure as to why a sword forged out of a, you know the very machine our heroes were trying to keep the Omega out of works in such a way. But again, we've been in Zlato, Zlato mode for like 1,500 pages at this point. I, I think I'll take just about any ending they offer at this point, no matter how inane or unsatisfying it could be. Now, Omega Wolverine's skeleton, I mean, because this this does the thing here. Omega Wolverine's skeleton just lays there on the soil for a bit before Krakoa itself swallows it up. 
From here we head to a mostly blank, no, wait, a mostly full quote page. What the hell is that? Uh, here, Logan blah blahs about his role and how children have less of a past to regret or something. I don't know. Uh, back to comics, and we head over to the Green Lagoon, where Logan, Jean, and Xavier toast to, you know, not dying. Uh, they're joined by the Claw family for some sitcom-y wah-wah sort of conversation. Uh, our hero, however, cannot fully commit to celebration, since he's, you know, always just waiting for his next fight. And the scene pops over to a smirking saber-tooth in the pit, which, uh... I'm not sure if that's just a, a hint of what's to come or a reminder that he's down there. I don't know. Off to the side, at the Green Lagoon, Beast and Sage talk a bit about recent events. Sage suggests that uh, Mora's theory wasn't 100% accurate, since uh, in this outing, the mutants did not lose. Beast says that uh, they only didn't lose because Wolverine stabs and kills everything. Um, fair enough. Hank reveals here that he's not the biggest Logan fan, but... He does seem to appreciate his methodology because, uh, well, Wolvie's behavior kind of justifies his own dubious morality. From here we head to the wrap-up, and it's ten days later in the, um, on-campus graveyard at Epiphany Tech. There's a graveyard at this place? Okay. Now, there's a grave here for Maura Kinross, and, well, like a uh, horror movie that refuses to end, she climbs on out. She is fully post-human now, and, uh, well, thanks to Epiphany Cloud technology, seems to have gotten that 11th life after all. That's where we end it. Next episode, we finally cross into Destiny of X territory officially, or unofficially, I, I don't know, in whichever event it is Immortal X-Men. But for now, let's talk about... Well, let's talk about this. Um, wildly, wildly underwhelming. Um, uh, you know, the, we talked throughout this run here, the Zlato, Zlato run, with um, just how nutty this story was at the start and how it seemed as though there really weren't uh, any rules to the to the way the story was going. It was just kind of all over the place, but it was all over the place in a way that worked. It um, was a nice change of pace from what we've come to expect from the X-Men line since 2019, it was just wild and nutty and just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun here, but it uh, was kind of a victim of its own setup, I feel, in a way, uh, in that, you know, I think Percy painted himself into a corner several times here where the only way out was an over-reliance on plot convenience, where, you know, things just magically worked and worked in the most uninteresting and uncreative way as possible. I mean, we wrap up X Lives with a, you know, battle to the death with Wolverine and Omega Red, where Omega Red is, you know, torn in half or ripped in half or whatever. Mutant death doesn't matter anymore. We know that. We know that. We've been trained to think that for years now. So why should we feel any any sort of permanence or any sort of import, you know, in, in looking at that scene? And... For the story that led up to it, it was just so wild and all over the place that for it to end in, you know, the present day with a, just a generic battle to the death that we've seen many times before, I don't know, it's like, what's special about that? There really isn't a whole heck of a lot. Here, X-Deaths wraps up with a Wolverine on Wolverine on Wolverine's battle, and I mean, it 
went the only way it possibly could have with nothing interesting about it. I mean, I think the big revelation here is that Moore is still alive. I think that's where our focus is supposed to be. But the entire build-up to this series or this event was that Mora dying or living doesn't really matter anymore. And, I mean, what is... Let's talk about her a little bit here. Uh, She's got her 11th life, right? Now, Destiny told her that she would have an 11th way back in House of X number 2, was it? I think. I think so. Now, she was told that she'd have an 11th life if she made the right choice in the end. Now, was post-humanity that right choice? If so, why in all hells would Destiny want this outcome? Right? And also, why is Moira so dead set on an 11th life? Which I feel like, uh, the further we read, became her goal more and more. Maybe. Let's ask some questions here. It's kind of unfair to ask these questions with just the reveal, you know, on our plate right now. We don't know what the machinations are. We don't know what the future holds. Maybe you guys know what the future holds if she shows up or if there's any sort of lampshading of this in the Destiny of X issues that I haven't read yet, but... If you'll indulge me, I'll ask a few questions that, you know, like I said, may be answered at this point already. What did Mora know up to this point? Up to this point in time here. I mean, it feels like each time out, her primary goal was keeping Nimrod from coming online, right? And speaking, you know, in particular about her 10th life, since that is the one we're most familiar with, each attempt made to stop Nimrod from coming online seems to only hasten it, right? The X-Men try to stop it, and it just speeds things up. Could we begin to deduce that perhaps Mora was playing them the whole time? Like, was this all part of the plan? I mean, is, is that obvious to everybody but me? Am I, am I supposed to have picked up on that right away? I really don't know. I'm not even sure if I'm explaining this right or, or verbalizing it right here. It makes sense in my head, but maybe I'm not conveying it. Uh, the question I'm asking here is... If post-humanity was uh, one of Moore's goals and, you know, just taking out the mutants altogether, did she already know the steps that needed to be taken in order to bring Nimrod into existence as quickly as possible? I don't know. More on the 11th life here. Um, we gotta assume that Mora still has all the memories of her past ten lives, right? Uh, that had to be the point of bringing the Epiphany stuff in. I mean, we compared their, you know, cloud technology to the Cerebro backups. That's got to be what the point of that was. So she's just as wise and dangerous as ever. I, I really don't know where you go from here. Um, is she going to be, like, the big bad of Destiny of X? Is she now, like, another Omega Sentinel? Karima, what's-her-face? If so, did we, did we really need another one? I'm not sure we need the first one. I mean, I could go on, you know, dropping hot takes left and right here, but uh, I don't know that that'll be terribly productive. So let me uh, shift gears here and ask some more questions. Uh, What was the point of Mora's cancer? Um, Did that ever come back around, other than, you know, to have her coughing in a few panels? It was implied here, or she seemed to imply, that it was purposely given to her. Who gave it to her? Who gave her this cancer? And will it ever come up again? Should it ever come up again? Does it matter if it comes up again? I, I really don't know. Maybe it's a uh, just a dangler dropped into the storyline in case anybody wants to pick it up somewhere down the line. I kind of feel myself spiraling here. I think I'm just going to keep repeating myself. So let's take the analysis portion of this episode to uh, to a close here. 
by trying to piece Mora's story together from the get-go. Now, that's something that I don't think I've tried to do since around episode 200 or so, when we covered the uh, the Mora entry in the, the X of Tens handbook thing, which, I mean, compared to what we know now, is, is very, very incomplete. So let's try to fill in some blanks here. House of X number two. Now, that was the big shoe drop issue that changed Mora's story forever. She was no longer the, you know, dead human ally of the X-Men. Instead, she was a mutant and always has been. And she had the power to, you know, come, come back from the dead and reset the timeline, but also maintain the memories of her past lives. During her third life, she developed a cure for mutantdom, and she was quickly killed by the Brotherhood so she couldn't act on it. Destiny waved her finger at her and said, don't try that again in your future lives. And so, Mora instead spent lives 4 through 9 trying to save the mutants. Only it never worked. During life 10, Krakoa happens. All mutants are united on an island as one people. Then she spent two years our time, for, you know, like eight hours comic time, living in a Krakoan tumor. Then Inferno happens, where it was revealed that Mora never stopped trying to cure mutantdom. Krakoa was a place where uh, mutants could live, be immortal, get soft. Also, they would take their eyes off the prize while she used her hoodoo to snuff out any future mutants from happening. Now, I think we were supposed to connect the dots here that the mutant magic meds were responsible for all of this. And I assume, uh, assume, you know, in, you know, in bold here, assume, because I have no idea. I assume that this was the big reveal that Hickman intended. But, uh, of course, Marvel wanted to keep this era going, so it uh, wasn't said outright. Mora was discovered, depowered, and exiled. But, well, that wasn't good enough for Mystique and Destiny, or Mystique, I guess. Destiny was kind of okay with it. Now, this gave us the merry chase that was X-Deaths. But was the journey worth the destination, or was the destination worth the journey? How do you say that? I I don't know. I'll say them both. Um, This was, um, like I said earlier, this was highly, highly unsatisfying. The final two issues of this event were just fights. You know, an anticlimactic and unsatisfying Wolverine Omega Red fight, and an anticlimactic and unsatisfying Logan on Logan fight. Really didn't live up to, I think, the expectations I put on it, which I guess isn't fair to say. Let's talk, uh, you know, uh, Phalanx Wolverine. The whole Terminator mission he was on was kind of pointless. Mora technically dies, right? So, mission accomplished, but she's only dead for like what, a dozen pages? And, you know, ten whole days, which is like half the duration of the Hoxpox era, apparently, but, I mean, still, she's gone for a very, very short amount of time, relatively speaking, and then, well, she, you know, crawls out of a grave, and she's back. Keeping on the uh, future Phalanx Logan train of thought here, uh, special attention was paid to the adamantium bones. Now, were we supposed to take that as a nod to the concept that Wolverine himself is something of a post-human? Uh, in that, you know, he's not a completely organic critter, or am I reading too much into that? I, I really I really don't know. We do sometimes get, you know, a philosophical Logan. I, I don't know that I necessarily want that, but um, maybe him thinking about his own, you know, lot in life and his own, you know, uh, placement, like where, where he fits in the grand scheme of things. I really don't know. Maybe we'll see that. Maybe we won't. Uh, do we want to? I, I don't know. Uh, as an event, <laughs> what do we think here? Uh, good? Bad? Ugly? Maybe all three? 
Um, I will say that X Lives was a bit more of an entertaining read for me. Having Logan do like the Quantum Leap Assassin's Creed gimmick was interesting, even if the purpose felt nebulous and, and quite convenient. Again, I mentioned this during our X Lives 5 episode here. Uh, got, still got a lot of questions, right? What was Mikhail's plan? Because Mikhail's plan here seems to be to make the Age of Apocalypse happen again. Just take out Xavier, and then whatever happens from there, happens from there. Been there, done that way too many times. Um, and if Mikhail can warp reality, why doesn't he just, you know, do that? I, I don't know. A lot of questions. But uh, maybe uh, unfair questions. I don't know. X-Deaths was kind of all over the place. Now we start with Mora on the run. And maybe it's just me, but uh, she's presented as a somewhat sympathetic character in the first couple of issues, right? I mean, she's basically just trying to live. She's trying to avoid being snuffed out by Mystique, also her cancer, and also the friggin' Terminator. <laughs> you know, so she was very much a sympathetic character, someone who was turned on by her people, uh, justly or otherwise. You know, she has her own mindset and her own point of view. But it's easy to kind of... Maybe not so much relate, but, you know, sympathize with, uh, with a character like that. Then, well, the worm turns, and she skins and wears Banshee, and just loses her damn mind. <laughs> um, you know, early in this story here, we had that one scene where Mora cut off the Warlockian phalanx arm, right? And I, I quite liked that scene in that it showed... The lengths she was willing to go to and her desperation and just her fear of being tracked, you know. So she set herself up in the bathtub, heated up the knife, sliced off the arm. It was a very powerful scene. It may not have been a great scene. It may not have been a scene for everybody, but it was powerful in that, I mean, she was thinking very rationally. She was at her wit's end, and it was a, a level of brutality that we don't, generally see in in superhero comics or maybe i'm just not reading the right ones but it's a level of brutality i'm not used to seeing in superhero comics so it really stood out to me it was very very powerful then we jump ahead a couple of chapters and she's literally skinning her lover which makes that scene in the bathroom at the motel seem like uh, you know sunday school was an afterthought it really took the wind out of my sails there and I don't want to say gore for gore's sake, because I think there was an element of that to it. I think there was... It was supposed to shock us. It was supposed to kind of shake us. It was supposed to make us cringe a little bit in, you know, not the embarrassing way, but in the kind of way. But I feel like it might have been a step too far, because it's not something that's easily walked back, and it also just diminishes everything else that happens here. When you keep building upon gore and shock value over and over again, eventually you're going to hit the point where there's nothing you can do to top yourself. And it just cheapens... It cheapens shock. And when you cheapen shock, I, I feel like that's like a... One of the main ingredients for a story. It doesn't have to be gory shock, but something to just bring us into the story, to capture us. And I feel like this was done to the extent where... It took potentially powerful situations and turned them into a, you know, a Roadrunner cartoon. Then, of course, you know, she dies, she 
becomes a robot and is even more bent on taking out the mutants. So how does she how does she up the ante now? She hates the mutants more than ever. She's got the power to do whatever she wants, uh, relatively speaking. Because if she is using the epiphany hoodoo, then she is pretty much immortal. You know, it won't stop at a li- at life eleven if she keeps. You know, backing herself up and, and coming back from the dead She has limitless opportunities to do what she thinks she needs to do But the level of brutality we've already seen out of her Really raises the bar as to what she's going to need to do In order to get our attention in the future here Maybe they have plans, maybe they don't Maybe she's going to go away for a little while, maybe she won't In any event, I feel like whoever is the next to handle her character Has a... Uh, Proverbial tough row to hoe But um, I think this is the point where I'm going to stop talking myself dizzy And uh, <laughs> just let it lay um, I would love to hear how you guys received this story What you guys uh, took away from it Am I completely off base, sir? Am I on the uh, right wavelength here? You guys let me know I'm easy to find on the internet I'm not uh, terribly active on social media anymore I'm always around checking my uh, checking my direct messages and whatnot So if anybody wants to reach out, I would encourage you to do so uh, I'm kind of scared to say anything uh, online now because, well, like I said earlier, the longer I keep my mouth shut, the more people seem to actually like me. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Anyway, that's going to do it for me today. I would like to thank you all so much for sharing some of your time with me today. And until next time, hopefully, I'll uh, talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.